This is the Following the Joy podcast, a place to hear people's stories about following their dreams, taking courageous action, being authentically themselves, and the lessons and adventures on the way. I'm your host, Debbie Westwell, and this is Following the Joy. In this episode, I am interviewing Coot Blackson. So I'm going to read his bio in a second because he's just extraordinary. He's had an extraordinary upbringing. He's just such an inspirational teacher and speaker. And interestingly, he's the first male, and that wasn't planned, but he's the first male that I've interviewed on my podcast. He's already got a book out called You Are The One, and he's um, got a second book that we're talking about on this podcast called The Magic of Surrender, which I cannot recommend enough. But let me read you his bio um, so that you kind of understand where I'm coming from because everybody needs to listen to this episode. There's so many golden nuggets within it. So he's award-winning, inspirational speaker, transformational teacher and podcast host. And he's widely considered like a next generation leader in the field of personal development. And he's been recognized as the mindfulness guru that billionaires go to for advice by Inc. Magazine. Now, he's a charismatic visionary and offers a fresh, bold look at spiritual awareness for a whole new generation. And Coote's unique lineage laid the foundation for his approach to breaking down barriers and setting the gifts and greatness of others free. So he was born in Ghana, West Africa, um, and his dad's Ghanaian, um, but his mother is Japanese. And you just need to read his books to understand, like, they're in themselves, they have a wonderful, like story of, of coming together um he's got a gift it's got a gift for transformation for transforming lives including his own since childhood because he's the son of a revered spiritual leader and healer and he was speaking to his father's congregation in more than 300 churches and 3,000 people at a time um by the age of eight which is so young and then at 14 he was ordained into his father's ministry and groomed to carry on the family's spiritual legacy but in his heart of hearts he knew that it wasn't the destiny for him and it wouldn't be in the church and he needed to take a leap into the unknown and basically forge his own path. So we talk about him feeling like he didn't fit in when he was younger, um, having all these different, you know, different um, traditions and stuff, um, how he moved to the States at age of 18, knowing nobody. Um, he shares how he traveled the world, how he learned from spiritual teachers before developing his own unique methods of teaching, coaching um, and guiding others. And like he basically shines a light of like finding your purpose, but it, he's really candid in the fact that it's not all roses and fabulousness, you know, that there is challenges and, and hard, but it's like going to the gym and you've got to learn to use your muscles. Um, we discuss his book, The Magic of Surrender. Like I said, it's amazing um, and how it's not sitting back and surrendering, but it's actually taking action, um, taking the right action, because actually surrender is the secret to manifestation and freedom. And he shares how to create the space in this episode to, to do nothing and to just listen to your soul. And his mission in life is simple. It is to inspire people across the world to access inner freedom, live authentically and fulfill their true life's purpose. So if any of that resonates with you, keep on listening. I'd love to hear what you think about this episode because there's so many good pieces of information in here but it also might make you start to think about things a little bit differently. So keep listening and I hope you enjoy it. Hey Coop, welcome to Following the Joy podcast. I'm so excited to have you here and speaking to myself and sharing your knowledge and wisdom with my listeners today. So welcome, welcome. Thanks for having me. 
Oh, I'm super excited. Um, listen, on as with all of my other guests, what I do is I normally just jump straight in and say, hey, Let's just go. Just tell us a little bit about yourself because you've got such an interesting kind of background history, but actually it's what you're you're doing now that makes a, a huge amount of sense. But maybe let's go back a little bit and just give me a brief introduction and then we'll go for it. Yeah, what can I say? Um, I was born in Ghana, West Africa. My father's from Ghana. My mother's Japanese. I grew up in London uh, till I was 18, South London, Peckham, Brixton, Dulwich. Um <laughs> than if you know any of those parts. But uh, <laughs> I grew up in Brixton when they had the riots. It wasn't so safe. And I grew up in Peckham when it was oh. not 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 the hip place it is now. And so I couldn't wait to leave London. And, uh, you know, as a young kid, I felt like I was from everywhere and nowhere. And I didn't feel like I fit in anywhere. You know, I didn't feel like I was African. Didn't feel like I was Japanese. Didn't feel like I was you know from the UK. Mm. And so I think that drove me as a young boy to try to find my identity. And that... It, 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 in a way that I wasn't conscious of, it drove me on the spiritual path to try to find myself because I started asking myself the question, like, who am I? Like, really, who, who am I? If I'm not this and if I'm not that, that, where do I belong? And so that took me deep inside. And as a young boy, um, I felt a strange calling to make a difference in people's lives. I felt this strange calling that I was put on the planet to impact people in some way i didn't know what that would look like i just felt it and i started seeking from a very young age some would say that my childhood was a bit unusual in that um and i didn't think my childhood was that unusual i just thought it was like everybody's but my first memories as a young boy i remember seeing a crippled woman crawling on the floor she picks up the sand that this man walks on and wipes it on her face and stands up week after week. I grew up seeing blind people see and deaf people hear and people stand up out of wheelchairs. The same man whose sand she picked up would look at a woman in a wheelchair and say, why are you in this wheelchair? Stand up. Or he'd look at someone with crutches and they hadn't walked in 10 years and he would say, throw your crutches away. So this man was my father. He built 300 churches in Ghana, West Africa, hundreds of thousands of followers, had a huge church in London, in Wandsworth, London, at his height in the 80s, probably 5,000 people every Sunday. He was a very spiritual man, a very mystical man, uh, a unique character. Many called him the miracle man of Africa. So I grew up in this spiritual tradition. Uh, age eight, I started speaking in my father's churches. Age 14, I was ordained as a minister, and I was given the mandate to take over my father's church. Uh, organization and everyone was happy but me because basically my entire life was pretty much set out for me you could say I felt no joy because uh, my life was scripted as a young boy and I knew that this was not my path I knew that this was not my my soul's destiny and I loved my father and so I was I think like many of us I was too afraid to speak my truth my fear was if I spoke my truth then I would be alone if I spoke my truth, I would be an outcast. If I spoke my truth, I would lose my father's love. And so for about four years, I went along with the program and tried to fit myself into the box of becoming who I thought I needed to be in order to get love and validation mm -hmm. and approval and became miserable in the process. And uh, it was interesting when I was 18. And, and, you know, as a young boy, I also became very obsessed with personal growth. I would sneak into my father's uh, office uh, and I would steal all of his self-help books. He had a bunch of spiritual personal wow. growth 
uh, self-help books on his bookshelf, like thousands of them. I grew up reading everyone from the British authors, people like Stuart Wilde to um, Gurdjieff to Osho to Maharishi Mahesh Yogi, Eastern Mystics to Wayne Dyer, Louise Hay, Deepak Chopra, Marianne Williamson. And, you know, in, in, in the 80s in London, wasn't the most popular thing to be a kid no. reading, reading, <laughs> reading this stuff, you know. Uh, uh, there were no spiritual bookstores. The only bookstore that, that was there was Double H Smith's and they didn't have a huge selection <laughs> of self-help books, you know, so you can imagine. So so I started to devour these books and it became my obsession. And uh, when I was 18, I could no longer hold my truth back and I felt my soul calling me in a different direction. And I think that when your soul guides you, it doesn't always make sense to your mind. Mm-hmm. When your soul guides you, it's not always logical when your soul guides you, it's not always convenient. But I really believe that when you follow your soul and when you listen to your soul and when you acknowledge your soul, uh, you will always be guided in the right place, in the right direction, the right time with the right people doing the right thing. And I listened to my soul and I knew what I had to do, which was leave everything behind, renounce everything and mm. and go to America. And the reason I wanted to go to America as a as a young boy was because all of the self-help authors that I read, uh, they lived in L.A., yeah. San Francisco, San Diego. Living so the American thought, dream. This, was where, <laughs> this is where it is. And so yeah. I, I renounced everything, had the conversation with my father, which was incredibly scary. Mm-hmm. We didn't speak for two years, which was devastating, but I knew what I had to do. And that's what brought me to America. Long story short, I won a green card in the green card lottery. And that's what enabled me to come to the US, 18 years old, uh, two suitcases, $800 in my pocket, just following a dream. And wow. I came and I found many of the teachers, many of the mentors, many of the authors, studied with some of them, learned from some of them. A um, few years later, traveled the world and ended up going to Thailand and studied with some monks, went to Israel, met with some rabbis, ended up walking the Camino in northern Spain. And then from there, yeah, I ended up in India. And that's what really, I would say, spiritually transformed my life. And then I came back to America again and 21, two years ago, began coaching people. And Amazing. People, coaching was very popular. And I just, one person came, another person came and slowly began to, let's say, create my own way of my own methodology of coaching people and people's lives started to transform and people came from from mm. all over. And it just started growing from sm- one-on-one to small groups, to large groups, to larger groups, to larger groups. And it just yeah. kept evolving and expanding. Wow. I mean, gosh, so much there. It's it's kind of, it's almost like it, it is like, you can see how your life has unfolded and it's just been like divine intervention, like you've got the green card and stuff. But yes. obviously like as an eight-year-old, gosh, that's very mature to be able to be speaking uh-huh. in front of, you know, thousands of people or hundreds of people and to be able to be pulled up in, in like your dad pulling you up and getting you to, to speak in front of people and stuff. And yeah. Like that's a even at eighteen, deciding to leave and eschew it all and kind of renounce everything and have that conversation with your dad. It's mm. it's you're still like young, aren't you? I mean, obviously at eighteen, yep. when yep. we were when we were all eighteen, we all thought we knew exactly where we were yeah. going and the plans in life. <laughs> and then as we get older, we realise actually we we didn't know when we thought at like 30 that we knew and then we don't know and now the the best thing about aging is you know that you just don't know what the yeah. plan is for you. Um. But so, 
Oh, gosh, I don't even know where to start with questions. I've got so many. And we'll get onto your book because yeah, no I flipping love it. I've got notes all in the, in nice, the sections nice. of it and everything. Um, so, first of all, you kind of, you've come from this. I, I want to kind of, people will relate to you, even though you've got such a unique background, you know, having a miracle man as a father. I love the the bit that's in your book that explains, like, your the story between your mum and your dad alone yeah, is is yeah, book worthy yeah. you know they didn't yeah. speak the same language your mum's yeah. japanese your your dad's ghanaian is that the, how i pronounce it yes. um you know yeah. you they, they they communicated through dictionaries you are the product of that amazing relationship yeah, so i guess i guess like kind of and everybody has their own journey growing up and they think that that is normal so everybody's uniqueness, they just assume that everybody else is going through it because we don't have that that brain capacity when we're younger to kind of understand that actually everybody's experiences are very different. You just assume that what your parents tell you is the truth. And I think people, you're very relatable in the fact that how many people out there have had their parents tell them, this is the direction that I want you to go yes. in. Like this, this is the job that you're going to be doing when you're older. You're going to follow in my footsteps or you're going to be a doctor or you're going to be, you know, a pharmacist or, you know, whatever it is. And there's pressures put on you. So obviously you said you didn't speak to your dad for a couple of years. So how was it those first few years in the States? Because obviously you kind of separated yourself from a life that you knew yeah, was safe and it, comfortable. It was, it was, it was, look, it was, it was difficult. Um, people sometimes think that whenever you find your purpose, uh, the violins start playing and everything unfolds. Easy. I mean, like, like the, sometimes the self-help books sort of sell a dream and an idea I think is kind of to sell books. But the truth is, sometimes when you find your purpose, shit gets hard and things get crazy and it's not always easy and it's not always roses. Sometimes when you find your purpose, that's when the real tests begin. That's when the real challenges begin. I call them soul tests that you have to go through in order to grow because those tests are the sort of spiritual gymnasium that force you to develop the mental, emotional, physical inner strength to become the person that's capable of fulfilling the dream and the vision. And so uh, those years were hard. You know, I came to America 18. When I think back, I'm like, what the hell was I thinking? I look at 18-year-old kids today. I'm like, oh, my God, was I like 18? What, like, what was – I wasn't thinking. I think that was the blessing. I was just following something and maybe naivety and innocence. And I didn't know because if I knew everything – that I was going to go through, I probably would not have started. And and so I think sometimes we want to know everything about life and how life is going to unfold. But the universe has an intelligence to not show mm -hmm. us the whole path, because if we knew the whole path, most of us would not even take the first steps because of how difficult it was going to be. Yeah. And so when I came to the US, I knew nobody. Like literally when I say nobody, I mean, I didn't know a single person. In America, I didn't know anyone in Los Angeles. There was no Google. There was no internet. There was just a map that I bought that I that was one of these 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 book maps <laughs> that you could open up, right? And that was my initiation. And and yet I was just trusting that I was on the right path and I was just following the right path. I always say you don't need to know where you're going to get to exactly where you need to be. There's an intelligence inside of you that knows. There's something inside of you that knows. There's a wisdom that knows. And I was following that. And it was hard. I landed in the US, knew nobody, asked the, the taxi guy, take me somewhere safe and cheap where I can stay because I didn't know. 
He just drops me off in Venice Beach, which at the time was crazy. It was madness, <laughs> yeah. um, a, a culture shock. And I cried for the first two weeks thinking, what have I done? But I couldn't go back because I think my father was probably expecting me to crawl back with my you know, tail in between my legs and beg. And I was like, nope, I'm, I'm on the right path. There's no way mm. I'm going back. And uh, for the first two weeks I cried, I ended up getting a $250 a month apartment, a shoebox apartment. Wow. And it was difficult. I mean, there were days where I didn't know how I was going to eat. There were days that I had no idea how I was going to make it. Uh, there were days where spending $1 on Chinese fried rice was a major life decision. And, wow. and, and it was, you know, I didn't, I remember not having a bed. When I got my apartment, I didn't have a bed and I would sleep on the floor. And I went outside one day and there was a bed that someone threw out onto the street. And I dragged this bed in so happy that I had a, I had my own bed. And, you know, not thinking what probably not the most hygienic thing, but I had a mattress and I had a bed. And the truth is, as difficult as it was, I was happy. And I think the reason mm -hmm. I was happy is because I felt like I was free. I wasn't a slave to having to follow. Because when you... When you're depending on people like your father, as an example, yeah. or your mom or your family, then you kind of you're a slave to them. You kind of have to do what they want you to do in order for them to, to, to support you, in order for them to give you money, in order for them to pay. And so because I just followed my own soul, I wasn't depending on my father. Um, I was free. And as difficult as it was, I knew that I had myself. I had my truth. I had my integrity. And I think there was a part of me that was like, I would rather die and fail knowing that I really tried rather than live knowing that I was basically living someone else's life. And so I don't think you can be truly fulfilled and happy being someone that you're not. I don't think you can be truly fulfilled and happy living someone else's life. And so there was a peace in my heart knowing as difficult as it is, I'm living my truth. I'm living what I'm meant to live. And I think that was the freedom and that was the adventure and that was the joy for me. It was an absolute joy filled with challenges and difficulties. Mm -hmm. and, and I didn't know, I mean, there, there were, <laughs> I think I write about this in my book. There were times when I would sneak into the, uh, I lived in just on the edge of downtown Koreatown and I would sneak into a supermarket and steal food. You know, like, I wouldn't call yeah. it steal food. I would like, put some bread in the in the trolley and sort of eat along the way and change my mind. <laughs> but I was literally just starving. And, and, so, and so, you know, these were some of the challenges I went through. And I think to me, when you have a purpose and a dream and a vision that is big, often you will have to go through challenges that are mm. equal or proportionate because those challenges prepare you. There's no, there's no muscle that you build in the gym without resistance and the bigger the muscle the more resistance you need and so it was very difficult in the beginning and there were many moments the honest truth is there were many moments that I wanted to give up there were many moments I wanted to turn back there were many moments especially those first few years where I literally was ready to pack it in mm -hmm. and I just kept putting one step in front of the next and and another day and another day and there were moments was like I don't know if I, another day and, and so I would say if there's anyone listening, you feel like giving up, 
there were some moments where I felt like all hope was lost and all, it's like I was just walking in darkness, right? I couldn't see the yeah. light, I couldn't see the future. And, and if you're in that moment listening where you feel like all is dark and you can't see the future, I want you to know that there is a power in the darkness. The darkness has not been sent to break you. You see, when things are dark and you can't see the future and you can't see the light, the darkness is a gift that you may not be able to fully see right now, but the darkness is what forces you to go inside. It forces you to go inside and... Because there's nowhere else to look and distract yourself, it forces you to go inside to connect with the light that is your mm -hmm. own being, the light that is your own soul. So the darkness actually forces you to find the light that is within you because that's the light that you have to connect to to light up your path. And so that was my journey. Those first few years were, were difficult, but I'm, I'm very glad I didn't give up. Yeah, definitely. Well, it taught you resilience, didn't yeah. it? And like it's... Yeah. Again, just for somebody so young to have such a conviction, like, I mean, maybe some of it was stubbornness, like I am not going back home type yeah. of thing. But but I felt like I didn't have a choice, you know? Yeah. I felt like I didn't like... You've always got a choice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you chose to it, not take the easy path. Yes, I, I, I chose... No, you know, it's, it's interesting. The deeper I go, the more I surrender, the less choice I feel I have, the freer I feel. Mm -hmm. And that's the paradox. Not like a choice, but yeah, I could go and uh, uh, be a car salesman today, right? I could go and sell insurance. I could. I guess I have a choice. I could go and eat 17 donuts. I could. Yeah. But I think that when you go deeper in your spiritual path and evolution, cert certain things, and I think this goes for everyone, there's certain things that you used to do that maybe felt good. Maybe you used to smoke marijuana. You know, maybe used to drink alcohol, but there's a certain part when you evolve that are no longer certain things that are no longer in alignment with your vibration, certain yeah. things that are no longer serving your soul evolution. And you could do them, but you know, it's no longer a vibrational match. And so it kind of like, mm. it's no longer an option. It's no, it's no longer yeah. a choice to do them. And that's a deeper surrender to say, you know what, it's no longer a choice for me to hang out with that group of people. It's yeah. no longer an option for me to like go get drunk on the weekends and feel like shit, bring my vibration down and disconnect mm. from my soul and heart. It's no longer a choice. And you kind of have to surrender to, even if parts of you want to do that, it's like, it, I can't do it anymore. It's not a choice for me. It's not an yeah. option. Anymore. And so that's, that's what I mean, where, where there's another level of freedom that comes from that, you could say, choiceless choice. That, that yes. then opens you up to move you into the flow. And so I kind of felt like it wasn't a choice in a certain way. I could have gone back and I could have taken the easy path. But I think what we have to realize is when you, when you do what's easy now, it will often be hard later. But when you do what's seemingly hard now, that's when it's easier later. And yeah. so I thought, well, I guess the choice was to go home and get a job. And it's like, it's not an option. You know, that's yeah. not an option. And so that that was, that's where I was. Yeah, because in your latest book, The Magic of Surrender, you talk about like listening to that kind of inner yes. guide, that divine guidance, wherever it comes from within you and like surrendering. And I guess when we're doing those things, if you're taking the drugs, if you're, you know, hanging out with the wrong people, if you're drinking heavily, 
it, all you're doing is making noise so you can't hear Blocking, that inner voice. So, yeah. And so then, yeah, I guess I understand what you're saying about the paradoxes because actually the more you lessen all of that noise, you've got yes. your higher energy vibes, you're listening to yourself, mm-hmm. then you've actually only got the one option because that's what yeah. your your gut yes. instinct is telling you, what your exactly. divine inside is, is telling you. It's like, this is the direction you need to go in. Yeah. Why have you been ignoring me? And And yeah. like you said, it's like, we all know that life gives us lessons. It's either working for you or it's giving you a lesson. And if you're not listening and taking action on those lessons, just like you've just said, then you're going to get those lessons again and again and again, which is going to make it harder later on, because then you're going to be like, why, why am I going through this again? Why have yeah. I attracted the same person again? Why am I in the same job? It was, For me, it was my, my job. I was going into a job. I was taking on responsibilities I was saying yes and people pleasing to everybody I was becoming overwhelmed then I got into a funk didn't really like work looked for a different job rinse repeat found myself in the same pattern until I learned to listen and break the pattern and then made a change in my life so I think that's definitely important about that kind of learning the lessons and just reading some of your book you're quite direct as well in some in some ways that you say like you'll literally like be saying to people well you know why why are you making this choice you know like if like if that was an example with me you would probably say something like why why are you taking everything on like what inside you feels like you need to be validated by doing all this work and I think I absolutely love, absolutely love what you say. I, this, I, I'm already going to be giving your book to everybody because it, uh, just, it needs to be read and spread. Um, but I think that you're going to trigger some people. Have you found that you do trigger some people because they're just like, no, I am not ready to hear this. Yeah, have had I think function. so. Yeah, I think. Do you I care? Think that's <laughs> uh, you know what? I, I stopped caring a long time ago because for me, my intention and my purpose is to serve people's growth and evolution. And I'm here to help people transform. See, here's the thing. Many times people look for a teacher that fluffs them up and makes you feel good. So you go, you read some law of attraction, self-help, you know, something. It's like, oh, I I love this teacher. They make me feel so good about myself. They make me feel so wonderful about myself. Yeah, but if you got shit in your mouth and you stink and you haven't showered in like three months... And you're like, well, let me do some affirmations to be like, I smell good. I smell good. No, you don't smell good. You smell like (laughs) crap. You haven't showered. You're eating 17 donuts. It's killing you. Like, you can't bullshit your way to freedom. Freedom isn't free. And so for me, I'm a truth teacher because it's only the truth. that It's the truth that sets you free. It might first piss you off, but the truth that sets you free. So what I found is many times, and I've been there. We look for teachers that make us feel good, make us feel comfortable, that we agree with and what they say aligns with our current reality. Because if we agree with them and what they say aligns with our current reality, we feel safe, we feel comfortable, we feel reinforced, but we don't necessarily grow and evolve. And so if we're constantly seeking teachers that make us feel good and align with our current reality, so we can say, yeah, 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 I agree, I agree, I agree. That's right, that's right. Then how are we going to evolve? A true teacher, if you are a coach, if you're a guide, if you're a healer, a true teacher will cause you lovingly. For me, it's all with love, mm-hmm. with respect, with compassion. A true teacher 
is committed to your greatness, not your bullshit or your stories or your lies. A true teacher is committed to you breaking free, not staying stuck. A true teacher is more committed to you being free than being liked. And so you can't be committed to being liked and really, really serve people. Because sometimes when you help people see certain truths about themselves that they need to see in order to break free, they won't like that initially. Mm -hmm. They won't, they, because they've spent their life avoiding that. So if you're like, you bring a mirror and say, hey, take a look in the mirror. So, oh, I don't like what I see. Sometimes there is a tendency for people to like get upset at you because you're bringing the mirror, but that's why they're coming to you for. So yeah. you're not doing as a teacher, you're not doing people a service by by drawing a Mona Lisa painting that makes people, gives people a false sense of who they are and saying, you yeah. look like Justin Bieber. No, you don't. You you know, you, you look like, you know, so, no, this is, here's the mirror. This is what, this is, this is the reality. When you can face that, that's when you transform. That's the key. And so for me, I've always been a teacher that's been, that's been committed to helping people be free. That's been helping, that's been committed to helping people uh, live authentically, live in alignment with their truth. And that's my commitment to me. Real love, real love, right, is a commitment to serving someone's soul evolution. A commitment to serving someone's soul evolution, not catering to someone's ego, not catering to someone's fragility, not catering to someone's personality. And so sometimes the commitment to serving someone's soul evolution is to make them aware of the truth. And that's, yes. that's, that, that's, that's the key. And so a long time ago, I had to unplug my, here's a secret. I had to unplug myself from the need. For, I had to unplug myself from people's negative opinions. Don't like you, yes. don't like you, you're this, you're that. Because here's the thing. When you put yourself out there in any capacity, people are going to have different opinions about you. Often their opinions about you aren't really about you. It reflects more about them than it does about you. And people are often projecting onto you based on their own conditioning and childhood and programming, mm. et cetera, et cetera. So that's what you have to realize. Often what people perceive about you and think about you, it's not really about you. They're perceiving through the current lens of their consciousness and conditioning. And so I had to learn to not take it seriously and to not take it personally. Because often it's not because you, you we do this podcast. A thousand people listen to this podcast. 500 people say, I love Coop. He's mm. amazing. 500 people say, I don't like that guy. He triggers me. He upsets me. And so which is fact and which is true? It's all perception yeah. based on your own psychology and consciousness. And so if you really want, what I learned is if you really want to make a difference in people's lives, you have to unplug yourself from people's negative opinions and projections. That's one. But you also have to unplug yourself from people's positive opinions and, and projections because we yeah. can also get addicted to, oh, they be like me, like me, like me, like me, yeah. say good stuff. Say good, not just don't say bad stuff, but say good stuff. And now we start changing ourselves and contorting ourselves and becoming who we think we need to be in order for you and the world to love me. To love me. And so... There's a freedom that comes when you unplug yourself, connect to your truth. Who am I? Like I, I had to make peace with who am I? It's not an easy thing. Like who am I and what's my truth? And, and, and so sometimes when people say, oh, you're this, I'm like, no, I know who I am. You're not mm -hmm. this. I know who I am. And, and uh, 
there's a tremendous freedom because it starts freeing you up to speak the truth and really serve people. And what I have found in 22 years of working with people one-on-one in small groups and large groups is many times, do I trigger people? Many times people, I would say, I don't trigger people. People may get triggered. People might get triggered because they don't want to see something because they're afraid of seeing something. They don't want to, they don't want to face something. They might get triggered. I don't have the power to trigger you. No, no one does. You might get triggered. So I don't take that on like, oh, I triggered someone. And what I have found is when people are sometimes triggered, when faced with the truth that may be presented in my book, in my work, in my seminars, in my events, in my retreats, sometimes people get upset and sometimes people get mad. And sometimes it, it will happen if you're up to anything in life, it will happen. But if you stay with the truth without without attachment, right? Without without agenda, like no agenda that you get it or not, but this is what I see. There is shit in your teeth. Mm, I'm not going to tell you yeah. there's not. There is something in your teeth. If you can stay committed to serving their souls, not their personalities, then what I have found is eventually when people own the truth and like, wow, there is thing, there is something in my teeth. And 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 he was telling me all the time, a lot, you know, way back. And he didn't give up. Even when I had my tantrum and went mad, it's like eventually yeah. what starts happening is people respect you more. They respect that you didn't sell out for their validation. They respect that you didn't sell out to be liked. They will respect you more as a leader, a teacher, coach, or guide. And they will trust you more because they will know that you're not the kind of teacher or guide or healer or coach that's going to just tell them what they want to hear. You're going to speak the truth. And in the long run, they will trust you more. And so over 22 years, what I have done is cultivated a relationship with my clients in small groups and in large groups Mm -hmm. where I would say they don't always like what I have to say, but they trust me and they respect me. And to me, that is what I value more than anything. And that's like really good coming from like a kind of coach, healer, teacher. Yes. But it's a really good lesson as well that everybody can have in their own life as in about yeah. speaking the truth, looking at yourself with the truth. It's almost like being a lawyer, like what are the facts? We can't yeah. bring yeah. like emotional bias into this. It's like, what are the facts? It, it, it's yes. this, it's this, it's this. This is what's happening. These are the you facts. Know, but also yes. like, I guess with love, you can do this to your with family love. as well. With, with Like tell them the I, truth. I would say that the thing that stops us from being free are all the lies that we tell ourselves. As human beings, we're constantly lying to ourselves for reasons which we can get into. But we're, you know, we say yes when we mean no. Do you want to do this? Yes. Okay. You want to go camping? Oh, okay. I freaking hate camping. But I, you know, <laughs> and, and, and you know, we go on a date. I think it was this comedian that was doing this skit. It's like you go on a date, you meet someone, you get all dressed up, and you put on the smile. And they're like, well, what do you love? I love camping. I love camping. Oh, my God. You're my soulmate. We both love camping. You get into a relationship. You get married. Then your husband says, honey, let's go camping. camping. You're like, I hate camping. But you said you love camping. It's why I married you, you know? And so in so many ways, we've learned through conditioning to become who we think we need to be in order to get love validation from mom and dad, from society, 
from religion, from school, from our teachers, from granddad. And so we now contort ourselves into a shape to become the version of ourselves that we think we need to be for daddy and mommy to love me. I'll be nice. I'll be sweet. I'll say yes. I'll do what you want. I'll take care of everyone. I'll be the responsible one. I'll be the, like, who do you want me to be to be loved? And we put on this role, mask and persona. We end up thinking that the role, mask and persona is who we are. The role, mask, and persona is not who we are. It's just what we've been conditioned to be. The challenge is we're so identified with that role, mask, and persona that we don't know that it's not who we are. We actually believe that's who we are, and we're living that. So we end up now creating and living a lie, not intentionally lying. We're just so conditioned that we don't know that the lie is a lie. And we've also learned as children because of pain, trauma, parents, abandonment, abuse, different things that we all experience as children to shut down parts of our feeling capacity. Dad was beating mom. Mom was beating dad. Dad's an alcoholic. Mom is crazy. This is going on. Mom mm -hmm. left. And so we learn to shut down our feeling sensitivity in order to function and survive. Like, I'm fine. I don't care. I don't need anyone. And so before you know it, layers and layers and layers and layers and layers of unprocessed, unfelt feeling and emotion uh, built up, covering up our tr authentic truth. And so yeah. now we end up kind of going through life with walls around our true heart and feeling capacity, not connected to our truth, but we've become so disconnected from the truth because of layers of conditioning that we don't know that what we're feeling is actually not the truth of what we're feeling. It's it, the truth of what we're feeling. Yeah. Is, we don't even know that we're sad. We don't even know that we're hurt. We don't, because we've learned to shut it down. We don't even know that we're grieving. We don't even know that we're resentful because we're like, I don't care. I didn't need anyone. Mom wasn't there. So I didn't need anyone. Fuck the world. I don't need anybody. It's like, I'm fine by myself, right? And so we don't even know that we're not living our truth anymore. And so I think one of the places we have to start to surrender and be free is we have to start with looking at what lies am I telling myself? Like mm -hmm. just, just We have to be aware that we're conditioned. And, and then we have to look at what lies am I telling myself? Step one, what lies? And start being honest about it. Wow. Okay, we stay in relationships that we know we're not happy. We know yeah. deep down if we're honest, but we're afraid to tell the truth because we're afraid of the consequence. We work jobs that we hate, but we're afraid to tell the truth because, oh, shoot, that might mean I have to leave. We, yeah. we, 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 we betray ourselves. And so I think we have to just start with the truth. What lies am I telling myself? And have the courage to own it. There is no transformation or surrender without truth. And that might start with, you know, I'm not in love anymore. Oh, it's a bit scary. Because what does mm -hmm. what, what does what does that mean? You don't so take the pressure off of yourself. This is what I tell people. Take the pressure off of yourself of having to take action. I'm not in love anymore. Feel that. It's scary. You don't have to divorce. You don't have to break up, but just feel the truth of that. Because that will begin a process. Um, you might just start with, I have an alcohol addiction. Oh, doesn't feel great to acknowledge, but if it's the truth, let's, you can't change something and shift a pattern of addiction unless you acknowledge that it's there, right? Uh, I hate my job. You don't have to leave. You don't have to put in your resignation, but just start with the truth. The truth begins a process inside. And so what lies am I telling myself? What do I pretend to not know? And what is it costing? What are the lies I'm telling myself? What is it costing me? Yes, that's the big one. Yes, if we can just start by acknowledging the truth, this is the beginning of transformation. Yeah, and I think it's basically like a giant game of <laughs> pass the parcel as a child, isn't it? Telling the truth yeah, is like yeah. unwrapping those 
past the parcel layer. So for those who didn't play it, who are listening, yeah, there's yeah, lots yeah. of like there's a present in the middle, and then it, there's lots of wrappings, and there's normally sweets and stuff in the outside. There's a tree. It gets passed around children when the music stops. For the child there, it gets to unwrap a layer. But yeah, this yeah. for me is like a childhood version of past the parcel in an adult life wrapped in onion layers and just uh. every time you ask yourself what lies am I telling myself you're unwrapping another layer so I'm going to encourage everybody now listening either pause this or do this at the end once we've once we've finished this interview go away now just take 10 minutes and think what one lie start with one are you telling yourself right now and like Coot says what has it cost you so far in your life? And if you continue to tell yourself that lie, what is it going to continue to cost you moving forward? Because I think actually this is like your whole thing, isn't it? It's like, it's really freaking scary to start owning the truth because our ego and our conscious brain keeps us safe by yep. keeping us in what we know. So why would I want to own the truth when I don't know what's over there and I don't know what it's going to lead to? But that's yeah. the whole like emphasis on your book about the magic of surrender. It's like surrender to it because actually there's better things out there for you. Exactly. Exactly. So interesting. Now that we move on to like your book and, and surrendering because it's not your traditional term of surrender. So like, you know, people believe surrender to be, you know, like a military term, like we, we give up type of thing, or like, I'm going to, like you said, sit back and going to put me, not wash my hair for 14 months and I'm going <laughs> to meditate and say affirmations and everything's going to be perfect. But it's not, it's about still taking some action, but kind of surrendering to the action. So can you kind of explain that in a better way than I've tried to do it? <laughs> yeah, look, we have so many misconceptions in our culture as to what surrender is. That surrender is waving the white flag. That surrender is giving up. That surrender is uh, uh, giving up. That surrender is being a doormat. That surrender is means you're going to get left behind. That surrender means you're going to be taken advantage of. That surrender means uh, you won't you won't manifest your goals, dreams, and desires, or you're going to get less in life. Who who the hell wants less? And so and so, for me, I'm saying, look, if you really understand the real essence of surrender, what if you didn't get less in life, but what if you got more? more than you could have planned, more than you could have imagined, more than you could have anticipated, more than you could have intended with the limitation of your conscious mind. Maybe not what you expected, but what if it was better? And what if it was different? And what if it was more like beyond what you could have planned for yourself? And many, in many ways, we get so attached to what we think we want in life. Like, it's got to be this way. This person has to be my soulmate. And we get so attached, not realizing that it's almost as though we're praying for the peanuts, but life is seeking to give us a buffet. And we're not able to see the whole picture in this moment. If everyone were to look at a relationship example, you were to look back 10, 15, 20 years, maybe it's only a few years for some of you. You met someone and you we've all had these people and you fell <laughs> madly in love. <laughs> and this, you're like, I found my soulmate. This is the one. And you couldn't imagine not being with them, right? Think of that person. I have a few of those. And you think about, like, I can't imagine not being with this person. You saw your life with them. You saw kids with them. You planned a future with them. It's like there was no, no, no alternative other than this person. You were so in. 
And then it didn't work out. And you were devastated. And you couldn't believe it. And you cried. And you, and you didn't think you would find love again. Now, looking back from, from today's perspective, you look at that relationship and go, what the hell was I thinking? You look back and go, thank, thank God, thank God that did not work out, right? But you weren't able to see it in that moment. You weren't mm -hmm. able to understand it in that moment. So sometimes we so want something to be something, but it's not something, right? And so surrender is, I believe, the most powerful thing that we can do. I believe that surrender is the real secret to manifestation, is the real password to freedom, that Surrender, okay, surrender is a, just to be clear, it's a letting go of control, or I should say the illusion of control. Mm -hmm. It is a letting go of trying to force and manipulate life to fit your limited idea of how you think it should be. It is a letting go of putting limitations on life. It's being open and available to life showing you, life revealing itself, life leading you, life guiding you. And so the old paradigm of living and creating and manifesting is all about, I call it the ego-based model for living life. All about, all about asking yourself the question, what do I want? What do I, as a limited individual personality, what do I want now? You can manifest that way. I'm not saying don't write goals and don't set goals and don't have a, a vision. Just don't get so attached to it is the thing, right? Yeah. So we're taught to ask the question, what do I want? And sometimes you might get everything that you thought you wanted. You might. We've had it happen only to realize that what you thought you wanted was not what you really yeah. wanted. It was just what you thought you wanted based on who you thought you were. But if we're not in touch with who we really are, Right. Then many times our goals are projections of unmet needs from childhood. You know, I didn't feel lovable, didn't feel worthy. So if I can just mm -hmm. get that car and get the house, then I'm going to be enough. And so for me, the real question when it comes to surrender is not what do I want? The real question is a different question. It's a bigger question. The question becomes, what is it that the universe is seeking to express through me? What is it that life is seeking to manifest and create through me? What is it that my soul is seeking to unfold and express through me, to me, this is the question. And when you can feel what that is, catch that vision, many times it's bigger than what you think. It's bigger than your mind. It's bigger than what you can plan. Like the Magic of Surrender book was not the book I planned to write. It was not the book I wow. wanted to write. I wanted to write, an, I, I wanted to write every other book uh, other than the <laughs> theme of surrender. So I didn't plan to write it, but it's what was seeking to express and what was seeking to unfold, I could have made my own choice and forced myself to write mm -hmm. another book. But the truth is, when I really felt what was true, this is what was flowing. This is what felt strong. This is what felt true and real and authentic. And so when you can receive the vision of what is seeking to express, and then you align with that, that which is true, and that which is authentic, now you are in the flow. Then surrender is you fully surrender to that and then you take action then you can set your goals and planning and strategy and action and marketing in sync and in alignment with the true flow of what's real then you move into action then you give a hundred percent and so so don't mistake sometimes people think oh surrender means we just sit there and do nothing no when mm -hmm. you catch the vision and you and you move into action you give a hundred percent without attachment to the outcome you go, you go full out, 100%. You look at people like Gandhi. 
Mother Teresa, Mandela, like mm. they, they surrendered, but they weren't lazy. They surrendered, but they, you might work harder than you've ever worked in your life. You might, you might be working nonstop around the clock in, in following the vision that is calling you, but you're working in sync and in alignment with the flow without being attached, attached to the outcome. And so when I look at the truly great ones, a Jesus, a Buddha, a Gandhi, a Mother Teresa, a Mandela, a Martin Luther King, a Bruce Lee, a Muhammad Ali. At some point, they all surrendered themselves to life. They all surrendered themselves to the flow, to that purpose, to that vision. They said, okay, like, use me, life, I'm ready. Like, I surrender. And in many ways, many of us, we're too busy resisting and negotiating our destiny. Yeah. Well, I'll do this, but when this happens, and maybe, and we got the vision, we got the download, we we feel this impulse. We're like, well, I'm not sure. I'm. We're negotiating. Stop nego surrenders. When you stop negotiating, you simply say, yes, I feel it. I'm ready. I may not know how the hell it's going to happen, but I'm available. That openness is part of what surrender is. Then you go into action. Then you so so the great ones that truly surrendered. In that surrender, they opened themselves. And in that surrender, they transcended their human limitations, their human personal power limitations. And they, I think they tapped into another dimension of life. And when they tapped into that other dimension of life, life was able to use them. Life was mm -hmm. able to move through them in ways that they could not have even imagined for themselves. I'm going to read out of your book right now sure. because I love everything that you've just said. And then I'm going to ask you a question as well. So like literally in your book, I've got so many little uh, stickers on the side, it, but this it. one like really called to me. And this is exactly what you were just saying. You've literally oh. written. So stop resisting your calling. Stop refusing your greatness. Stop dimming your light. Stop hiding your gifts. Stop fighting your purpose. Stop arguing for your smallness. Stop crawling in the mud. It's time to say yes to the real reason you were born. This is when you access the magic. And then life will give you the wings to fly. And I flipping love that. <laughs> but I've got a question for you. To yes. Everybody who's listening. So it's it's quite a strong in-depth topic. You are super passionate about it. And we've already said, you know, go away and think about the things, that, the lies that we are telling ourselves. But you're talking about getting these downloads and these visions. So how can people kind of tune in and listen what would you say is an easy way for them to do it is it silence is it yeah you know, i'll give you an easy way I, I would say first easy way is you know i think so many of us run around and we're so busy running around that and we all have busy lives that we don't sit and we don't listen we want to receive and hear the information of our soul in the universe but we don't cultivate the time and the space to listen well, how are we going to listen if we don't sit still and actually listen? And so I think what's important is on a daily basis, number one, create the space in your life to do nothing so you can hear the whispering of your soul. Because many times your soul is often speaking to you. But sometimes we don't, sometimes we unconsciously, intentionally uh, busy ourselves so that we don't have to listen. Because we know and we're afraid that, oh shit, if I actually be still and listen, I'm going to hear the truth and I don't want to hear the truth. So let me keep myself busy, right? It's a yep. sneaky tactic that the ego plays. So if I keep myself busy, I don't have to hear what I kind of feel is buzzing inside. 
So create daily space and the time. And that might look like 10 minutes a day where you do nothing and just sit still and just tune in. That's number one. Mm -hmm. Number two, pay attention to the signs and the clues of life. Sometimes life, the universe speaks to you in the in the clues of life. Follow the clues. Sometimes those clues might be a friend calling you up and say, hey, check this out. Sometimes it might be a billboard that you see or a song that you hear on the radio. Everything is connected. Number three, I would say tune into the sensations of your body. Sometimes the intuition doesn't come in a loud siren bell, but it comes in a very subtle, oh, I felt a little chill there. Or I felt like a gut tightening. Like, yeah, someone wants to do a business deal with you. You're about to sign the business deal. Everything in your gut is like, clenched and tightening and something's like no doesn't make sense to your mind but are you going to listen to that or not so your body is intelligent and your body will speak to you but we're often not paying attention to the subtle signs of your body and so i would say pay attention listen to the body observe the body observe your breath observe the sensations in your body and i think in many ways we all feel the 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 the, the the intuitive guidance, we've all felt it. But one thing that I have found blocks it, we feel it. You see, and many times that intuitive guidance of your soul doesn't make sense to your logic, and it won't make sense to your mind. It's not meant to make sense to your mind. Because it's not arising from your conditioning, your personality, your ego. It's arising from the unconditioned, deeper dimension of your being. And so it's not meant to make sense to your logic or your mind. Right. And so when we understand that, the problem is when we receive the guidance, like go to Bali, go mm. to uh, go to Bournemouth. Right. We're like, doesn't make sense. What? Why? <laughs> I don't know anyone in Bournemouth, but I don't have time to go to Bournemouth. It's cold in Bournemouth. I don't hear good things about Bournemouth. But 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 why? And I need to understand. And what's going to happen when I go there? And all of a sudden, we receive like, go to Bournemouth, go mm. to Bali, this, 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 this sensation, and we block it because we get into our mind, and the mind, or I should say the ego, starts to analyze this intuitive energetic guidance and tries to logicalize and make sense of everything, and we go into our mind, and that starts disconnecting us from the flow because the ego needs to try to understand everything because it mistakenly thinks that if I can understand everything, then I can be in control and I won't get hurt because I won't be in the unknown. And the ego is afraid of going into the unknown. And so the job of the ego is to protect you from getting hurt. And the job of the ego is to reinforce its existence. So it kicks in to try to, if I can understand it, I can be in control. I won't get hurt. I won't be in the unknown. Rather, so what I'm saying, so what to do? When you feel the guidance that doesn't make sense to your mind, great, pay attention. Take a step in that direction. Just, just take a step. Okay, pick up the phone and call Debbie. Rather than saying, well, oh, I haven't spoken to her in a while. She's not going to want, no, no, no. Just pick up the phone. Hey, Debbie, I don't know why I'm calling you, but just, just checking in. I have no agenda. Yes. Something is saying to call you. It doesn't make sense. You don't have to even call me back, but here I am. Just. Start cultivating the relationship with your soul to just be obedient. That's it. Just be. Don't, so don't question. I had to learn to not question the guidance. So what that looks like is turn left. Turn left. Now, you might ask me, why are you turning left? 
I don't know. I have no idea. You don't mm -hmm. have to know where you're going. But the intelligence inside of you knows. Turn right. Okay, turn left. Okay, take 10 steps forward. Great. You are being guided by an intelligence. This intelligence knows. Often, life begins to make sense to you in the process of living life. Yes. Or when you look back is when everything connects and all the dots connect. And so it's kind of like we trust Siri, Siri, more than we trust our soul. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do. Siri says, "Hey, turn left. Go over the bridge. Go under yeah. the or go to you know, drive over the ocean." We do it. We don't question. But your soul says, "Hey, call Debbie. Go to Bournemouth. Write that book. Mm -hmm. We question." So the more you can say, "Okay, I'm not going to question. I'm just going to get into a process of left, left, right, right, left, left, right, right, ten, ten steps forward." The more your guidance and intuition grows, and life will show. See. Part of surrender is allowing life to lead you. That's the magic. When you can allow life to lead you, that's the beauty. Amazing. Get out of your head, allow life yes. to lead you. Yes. You are oh, absolutely awesome. And I've got to say, I've read a lot of books and some of them on topics similar to this are very, very hard to digest. Oh Your book <laughs> is really easy, really easy yes, yes, to understand. Yes. It's really easy. Anybody could pick it up and read it. There are very good examples of, of what you've talked about in there. And I don't want to go into examples because I want people to read your book yes, but there's amazing yes. examples it makes sense they're relevant examples and it's very easy to read it's not yes. in your face it's not taking me long to read but I've, I every page has been like oh yeah oh yeah, yeah, yeah yes yeah, yes yeah, yeah, so yeah. I absolutely love it and I hope everybody Thank else you. picks it up and reads it as well because you've got another book as well like you are the one as well haven't yes, you yes but yes. um I appreciate your time and you're very busy and important and you've got many, many people oh, to reach out to. But tell you. us how how people can reach out to you, how people can get yeah. in touch with you, work with you. What are you up to? Sure, sure. Well, for, I'm really glad you said that about the book because I really wanted the Magic of Surrender book to be an easy read. I didn't want it to be one of these sort of highfalutin books on spirituality that you're like, you read two sentences and like, what the hell is this author saying? Yes. I just, the consciousness of the infinite is the blah, blah, blah. <laughs> the Like, I don't understand what this means, you know? I wanted it to be like easy to read where literally a 13-year-old kid could read it. So I take it as a compliment because there's no point in having an amazing book if you no one reads it, you know? No. It's like the most amazing book on the planet that nobody can understand. And so... <laughs> Um, I would say one of the first things is get the book, The Magic of Surrender. You can you can get it on paperback. The paperback has a few updates. So go to Amazon, get the book, The Magic of Surrender. There's so many gems there. I wrote it from my heart and soul in a simple way. Second thing I would say is if you're listening to this conversation and, and maybe you're inspired, you feel a connection, uh, you feel you're someone and you feel a calling to make a difference on the planet. You feel... You've been put on the planet for a purpose that is bigger than yourself. And you feel that sense of purpose. You feel that you're at the point in your life where you're ready for the next level. You're at the point in your life where you're ready to heal. You're ready to transform. You're ready to break through limitations. You're ready to connect with your power. You're ready to, sh to share those gifts with the world. And I really feel as though we're living in a unique time where the world needs our gifts more than ever. If you're someone who you're feeling that, like the time is now for me to give my gifts. Uh, for the last 13 years, uh, twice a year, I've done a very, very special event. 
It's for leaders, visionaries, those that want to make a difference on the planet. That's part of my mission and vision. It's called Boundless Bliss, the Bali Breakthrough Experience. It's a 12-day experiential seminar training without walls where I use Bali as the backdrop. Wow. It is, I think, the most rigorous, intensive retreat on the planet. At least that's what my clients tell me. <laughs> and it, it's truly life-changing where I take you through a process of healing and transforming and we compress decades into days. And so last it's finally enough, 2023 last year was going to be the final year that I do the, these events. But after sitting with my own guidance in meditation uh, and following the signs of the universe, um, I've been guided to offer it one more year. And so 2024, if you're listening, uh, this July the 20th through the 31st, uh, we're doing the next Boundless Bliss Bali journey. You can find out more information. Go to uh, www.boundlessblissbali.com. That's boundlessblissbali.com. Watch the video, uh, read the website. You can apply for an interview and we'll take it from there. Uh, also, people you can people can find out more about my work. You can go to my website, cootblackson.com. That's just my name. And then also Instagram, say hi, follow me there, cootblackson. Fabulous. I will put all of that information into the show notes anyway. Um, so yeah, I just want to say so much love that you're giving out to the world. And oh, thank you. there's so much love that I felt between you and your mum in that in oh. your book. So I'm so sorry to hear about the passing of your mum, but that it literally shone out of the pages. Yeah. Um, and I just had to kind of tell you that as well. So sending you so much love. Thank you ever so much for your time. You are an awesome human being. Keep keep going and spreading the word and getting people to surrender. And it, you've just been amazing. So thank you ever so much, Coot. Oh, I got so carried away with that interview that I didn't even do the key takeaways. So I'm going to do those with you now separately. Um, because yeah, we we obviously just you know kind of rolled with the flow and and went with it. So the key type takeaways from this episode are definitely like have a little think about what lies are we telling ourselves and what is that costing us and how. You know, are we doing that just to kind of protect ourselves? Are you ready to take a step out of your comfort zone? Um, listening to your gut, your intuition and your instinct. It doesn't always have to make sense, but just, you know, kind of get into the practice of of following that and trusting that it's it's the right path for you. Take time to be still and listen to your soul and just observe the body and the sensations that you're feeling. And then just don't question what you're being told and learn to just follow and allow life to lead you. I think there's some wonderful takeaways from this episode. Thanks for listening today. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. And as always, any links or anything mentioned will be in the show notes. If you haven't connected with me yet, I'd love to meet you. So come find me on Instagram at Debbie Westwell. Why not slide into my DMs and tell me what you thought of this episode? And if you like what you hear, then please follow me or hit the bell icon, share with somebody like you who would benefit from listening and all positive reviews are greatly appreciated. Thank you for being your wonderful self and I can't wait to chat next time.